What's up, podcast world? It's ad time. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends at SeedsHereNow.com. That's right. If you need new seeds in the garden, I highly recommend SeedsHereNow.com. Make sure to check out Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Secret Vault, and of course, the easy peasy credit card payment options at SeedsHereNow.com. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 760 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to answer a couple of grow questions. Before I get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Guido's Grow Room. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Roll This Nug and Godfather Kush. I want to send a thank you shout out to Effa Plant Count and Brian P. Let's send a thank you shout out to Larf Knight Rises and Stone Trout Bum. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to one of my favorite growers, Root305. Let's send a thank you shout out to Jay Dutch. Let's send a thank you shout out to one of my favorite photographers, ADHD Grower. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Know Me By My Guacamole. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the show on Patreon. This is, of course, the part of the show where I invite you to the DGC Growers Cup. That's right, July 30th in Fort Collins, Colorado. The Dude Grows crew is hosting the Growers Cup. I do invite you to join us. I will be there with Team Irie Genetics. Many other great breeders will be there. Many members of the Dude Grows crew and the Irie Army will be there hanging out. It won't be the same if you don't join us. So come to the party. I look forward to seeing you there. I do want to send a big thank you shout out to everybody who has been supporting iRedirect. That's right. I recently added iRedirect to the iRegenetics website. There's been a great success. Thank you for all the positive feedback. I've been getting a lot of updates and feedback from uh, great customer service feedback. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I do feel like that is most of the rambling that I had written down here for the start of the show. I want to talk about something that I've got called evolution of a strain, and then we will work our way into uh, some grow questions here. I was recently in a chat and somebody asked kind of how long it takes from the time I make a strain until it is released. They're like, man, didn't you make those like a long time ago? And why are you just now putting them out? And then I thought that that would be a great thing to talk about here on the podcast. So we're going to talk about the evolution of a strain. When I make a new cross, when I get a male plant and a female plant and I do some pollen chucking and those plants make magic happen, how long from the time that cross is made until those seeds are actually released to the market? Let's talk about the process that uh, takes, the steps that takes, uh, just the way we do that. Here we go. We're going to jump into it. Let's just say that I'm in a grow or maybe somebody sends me a plant or I'm working in my garden and I realize that female plant right there would work beautifully with that male plant over there. Just something intuitively tells me that. Or maybe I'm smoking a plant and I go, this is really good, but it's missing this. And then I go, oh, well, this male plant's got that. Let's put those together. So there's an idea. There's an inception. There's 
So a spawned idea in my brain. I've got to get the idea. So I've got the idea. Now I've got to cut some clones. I've got to clean out a room. I've got to get space. There could be at this time, who knows? I may have just put a room into flower. It could be 70 days before I could fucking do this project or I could get it going right away. So I've got the idea in my head. Now I've got to get the idea on paper. Uh, I'm going to write this down. I want to breed plant A to plant B. And my goal is going to be to improve the part of this plant that sucks, kind of get this straight from this plant. This is what I'm hoping for. So I'm going to write that down. Then I will cut a bunch of clones, the appropriate clones to breed this project, uh, female A and uh, male A, and we're going to cut those plants. Then I'm going to veg them. Then we're going to put them in the flower room. Then, of course, there will be some pollen chuck. And then six to eight weeks later, we'll have seeds. And it takes about a week for them to dry, pull the seeds out, separate them, get them all packaged up. From the time I start cutting those clones to the time I actually have usable, packageable seeds in my hands is probably somewhere around 16 to 20-ish weeks, depending on how large I want those plants to get, uh, depending on how much space I've got, depending on which strains I'm working with. Some uh, veg much more quickly, some don't veg as rapidly, so they've got to go another week. But it could be up to 20 weeks from the time I cut the clones till I have the first seeds in my hand ready to put into packages. Then from there, there's a lot of work to do. So let's just say I got the idea. I wrote down the goal. I put the male plant and the female plant in the room at the right time. They did their magic. Uh, we let the seeds harden up. Uh, the seeds have been harvested. They get the plants get or the plants get harvested. They get cut down. The plants dry. Pull the seeds out. Separate them. It's been 20 weeks. Now let's talk about the other steps that it takes. This is where the work really begins before I can start releasing this product. We've put 20 weeks into the grow. Now I've got to harvest it, package it up, and do some testing. This is when I start growing the seeds. It's been 20 weeks already, and I don't even know what I've made yet. I'm going to grow these seeds. I'm going to veg them out for just a couple of weeks. They're going to be really little on my first run. My tester plants are tiny. They go in a one-gallon pot. They veg till they're about uh, eight or nine inches tall, and then I flip them. Uh, and then I take a lot of pictures and a lot of notes. So the first step, the first step is to make the seeds. We already established that's about a 20-week process. Then I'm going to grow them. I'm going to veg for two weeks. Then I'm going to flower for 10 weeks. We are we're already up to approximately a 30-week process, and all I've done is test the seeds myself. Nobody else has even grown these yet. So once I grow them, if I approve, then I package up testers, and I go recruiting the test team to get some seeds going for me. Now, they're going to take a week or two to get the seeds. Uh, then they're going to take two to four weeks to veg those. Some guys go even longer. So we're looking at 40 weeks already. Then they've got nine to 10 more weeks of flowering. That's 50 weeks. You guys, we're at nearly a year. Two more weeks is a full year. So that is several weeks of work before we even really get to put a seed out to market. I've got to make it. Then I've got to test it. I've got to send it out to the testers. Now, it's oftentimes when I see that the testers are having success with these seeds, I will add them as freebies to orders. If you're getting seeds off of Irie Direct, uh, then you will get some brand new shit as freebies. Those are testers. Instead of just putting them out as test seeds, I also give them, that, give them away. They are labeled on the package that they're testers that I don't know what they're going to do yet. I make it clear this is a freebie tester, but here you go. Have fun with it. What then happens after I give those testers away, a lot of those people will grow those before they even grow the seeds they paid for because they got some brand new exciting shit they weren't expecting. They're going to grow that. Then I get even more feedback because now I've got the feedback I got from the crop I grew. I get feedback from my testers. Now I get feedback from the people that are growing it 
as freebies. So I test it, the group tests it, then it goes out as freebies. Now I'm getting a bunch of photos, I'm getting a bunch of data and a bunch of feedback and we know what we've really got. At this point, if it's gotten this far, I know it's going to make it. It won't get this far if it's not gonna make it. If, uh, if I didn't like it, if the testers didn't approve of it, if there were problems, it just got scrapped, it got put on the back burner, it got forgotten about, those seeds are probably flushed down the toilet or in a compost bin or fed to the birds. So once we, once I see enough people growing it and I've got pictures and photos and data, then I can start hyping it up. I know it's going to come out for an official release. What I may do at this point is do kind of a pre-release on my website or another website. A lot of times I will pick one vendor and I will do an exclusive drop with that one vendor. A lot of times it is seeds here now because that's my preferred exclusive vendor, but Sometimes I will rotate it around to where vendor A is going to get these packs on this day and then vendor B is gonna get these packs on this day. That way I don't overload one vendor, everybody gets to play, somebody gets to, everybody gets to eat, the money gets spread around, the business gets moved around. I like to support all of the vendors because they do support me and they support you, the consumer. So at this point, we have gone from me making seeds, me testing seeds, the test crew testing out seeds, the freebies going out, now they are going to a pre-drop at one vendor or on my website. We'll just put out a few of them. We'll let them go. We'll see what the excitement is like, what the hype is like, get a count of how many sell and how quickly. Then that lets me prepare for the official drop where I will call up all the vendors and say, hey, I got this many packs. How many do you want? They'll claim their packs. I'll send it out to them and we will all agree that at five o'clock on this day, they are going on sale. We'll all drop them on our websites all at the same time. Sometimes that process is over one full year. Many of the seeds that you guys see me putting out on the websites right now, uh, the seeds that are dropping on iRedirect Direct were made a solid year, maybe 18 months ago. Uh, you'll notice the Inspector Royale, uh, it is on the website, on the iRedirect website right now. It will make a huge debut at the DGC Growers Cup. I will have plenty there. That one was made in a greenhouse approximately a year ago. Those seeds were made. Uh, we put plants outdoors already in that greenhouse again, and I am just now dropping those seeds. So that that is what goes into uh, testing and ensuring that a seed is a quality product. I don't just make some seeds and throw them out there. I've got these seeds sitting around being tested. They're in storage. They're in a jar. They're in a vault. They're being saved and preserved for up to a year before you guys get to get them because I want to make sure it is a quality product. Oftentimes, I'll make a small batch of these seeds and we'll test those. And once I realize if it's a real big hit, then I'll go back and make a lot more. Sometimes that's really time consuming. I try to bang it out on the first run so we could keep moving forward, remake stuff that really sells well and move past the shit that doesn't. But that is the inception of a seed. Sometimes from the time I think about it to the time you get your first batch of seeds is up to a solid year. So be patient with me. Be understanding there's a lot of work to be done. Also, as a consumer, as a buyer, as a customer, as a grower, you should be excited that I'm spending a solid year doing research and development on one package of seeds so that you don't get intersex plants, dud plants. I really put a lot of care into this is what I'm trying to say. All right, that's what I wanted to talk about, the inception and evolution of a strain. Oh, there's one more part. Before I will release a strain, and this was really frustrating, shout out to my buddy Fiscal. Uh, Fiscal wanted to buy some seeds off of me. He's like, you've got that cross? And I was like, yeah, but I got a lot of them. And he's like, sell it to me. And I said, I can't sell it until I've got a name for it. He was throwing out names every day. I would get a list of names. Eventually that one did become Fist Bump. That's available 
check out the fist bump on Irie Direct. All right, that is all I've got for the evolution of a strain. Let's work our way into these emails that I was talking about. I've got a great email right here in front of me. This one comes from my friend Pete Pan 7 and it goes a little bit like this. It says, question maybe for the podcast. This is a good one, bro. It says, a lot of people are going on vacation right now, and harvest time always seems to fall on one week you leave for vacay. And then he says the thing that I was going to say right after that, I need to plan better. Yes, uh, you planned the grow and the vacation. I bet your wife planned the vacation. I know how that shit goes, but you do need to plan better. Everyone's got a calendar and a schedule, and we got Alexa and Siri to tell us when we fuck up. But planning is key right there. But it says, my question is, would you harvest when things are looking super close at about a week nine? Or would you wait and cut them down when you get home? Thank you, bro. I love your straightforward info you give to us. I am PetePan007 on the gram and your awesome Discord. And you can say my name. You guys go follow PetePan007 on the gram and also join the Discord server. Check out the Discord server. There will be a link in the show notes and in the video description to get to the Discord. Let's talk about this. It's summertime. People are going on vacation. People are traveling around. I'm guilty. I've been all over the place. I haven't left Colorado, but I've been to every freaking border of Colorado in the past couple of weeks here. It's been no complaints. It's been great, but it's time consuming. It's exhausting. And the garden does almost suffer at times because I'll catch myself driving home going, fuck, I hope the plants are okay. I hope the plants are okay. And they are, but it's a little nerve wracking. So if you're going to go on vacation It will be less nerve-wracking if you cut before you go, but the plants will do you better if you wait until you get back. Uh, Don't cut them until you get back. When in doubt, always just give them that extra week, 10 days. Let them grow longer. You're going to have better buds if you go longer. You'll have more bud, better bud, more dense bud, more flavor, more more potency. So just wait. I would cut them down after the vacation. Go have a good time. Go enjoy your trip. Go enjoy the time with the family or whatever you're doing. And then when you get back, you've got something really cool to look forward to. You don't want to cut it down right before you leave anyway because uh, then it's just going to hang there your whole trip. It may get too dry. It may get too crispy. Uh, You may need to do some adjustments. You can't burp it. You can't put it in jars. I would wait till I get back. Uh, As for watering while you're gone, I would just soak them real hard right before you go, unless you got a buddy or a grow helper, which I really, I don't like that most of the time. They always end, I hear more more stories about the grow helper fucking up than helping uh, all the time, but uh, just water them real hard before you go and then just let them ride it out until you come back and maybe you'll have some uh, some buds that are already drying on the stick for you getting a little pre-harvest going. But my advice is always let them go a little bit longer. Don't do them too early ever unless that is absolutely what you got to. And I hope you learned your lesson, bro. Plan ahead next time so you're not on vacation during the harvest. All right, thank you for the great message. All right, the next question here comes from my buddy, Alabama Man. Big shout out to my buddy, Alabama Man. Thank you for all of the support. This is a good question. It says, I hope all is well, sir. Bro, things are great. It's summertime. Uh, I'm healthy. Business is booming. Relationships are good. We've been having a good time. Uh, The world hasn't exploded yet, so I guess things are going quite well. The question says, have you ever initiated a back cross using pollen from the original male donor? The original male donor using pollen initiated a back cross. Well, if I had the original male, I probably wouldn't need to make a back cross. The reason I make a back cross generally is because the male plant is not present and I want to make seeds of a female plant, something we would call a clone only. So generally, um, I wouldn't do that because I don't have the original male pollen donor. My main goal when I'm making a back cross is to replicate a female clone. 
So let's talk about how I make a back cross since we're here. Uh, what I would do, let's just say we want to make golden goat back cross seeds. Uh, people want golden goat regular seeds. They don't want the femmes. They want golden goat. That's not available because there's no male of the golden goat available. So what I did was I took Daybreaker. Daybreaker is a great strain, but it is completely different than golden goat. It is the opposite in every way. It's got big fat leaves. It grows kind of with a stretchier pattern. Uh, it's a little shorter and squatty, but stretchy at the same time. If you grow cush, you know what I mean. But it is totally different than the golden goat. Golden goat's got the big skinny sativa leaves, uh, really tight inner node spacing. So my goal here, I took a male daybreaker plant and I pollinated a female golden goat. Now, when I found the plants that came from there, my goal was to replicate golden goat. So anything that looked like daybreaker and that progeny got immediately eliminated. That was harder to say than it looked. The plants that looked like Daybreaker got culled from the population right away. I only needed plants that looked like Golden Goat, and I only needed a boy that looked like Golden Goat. So females got pulled right away, and plants that looked like Daybreaker got pulled right away. Eventually, I narrowed it down to a male plant that looked just like the Golden Goat. He grew the same way. He had the same leaf serrations. Uh, he reacted the same way to stress. It looked just like the original female Golden Goat. It looked so close to the original golden goat that when I took leaves off and held it up to the other leaves, they matched perfectly. They had the same serration, same ripple. It was a perfect match. So I took the pollen from my golden goat to daybreaker cross, and it's a male that looks just like golden goat. I took that pollen and put it on to the golden goat. Now, my goal here is to wash out the traits from that daybreaker. Now, we've got golden goat in here twice, daybreaker in here once. Mathematically, genetically, this should be mostly golden goat. The way that I saw it in my prediction, I thought that I picked such a close golden goat that probably 80 to 90% of the phenotypes should look just like golden goat. After we ran a bunch of the seeds, you guys have ran a bunch of them, I'm going to say 75% of them look just like the original golden goat. So my next step would be to back cross it again. In that process, what I would do is I would take the original golden goat clone, which is a female, and I would find some of those back cross, the first filial, filial generation of the back cross, that's a back cross one. I would find a male out of there that looked just like golden goat again and put that pollen back on the original golden goat clone again, making a back cross number two. Now the seeds that come out of there should, in theory, if my selection was done correctly, those should be approximately 80% golden goat dominant phenotypes, maybe 82, 84%. The method here is to keep finding golden goat looking males and putting that pollen back onto the original golden goat to solidify that golden goat trait and in an essence, wash out all of the traits of the daybreaker. I don't want the daybreaker in there. I only used it for that pollen, for that one inception, for that one round to create some seeds. Now my whole goal is to wash that out. So I don't think I would use the original male pollen um, unless my goal is to lock in that male trait, but that doesn't seem necessary because uh, I'm working with a female clone only. Now let's hypothetically say that a friend of mine got a seed of a plant that I've been wanting forever, but it turned out to be a male. I could, in theory, take that male plant, pollinate a female, create seeds, find a female that looks like the male that I want, use that original male to put on another female and keep going, but I don't know what I'm looking for because I don't have the original female. So it's kind of a wild goose chase there. I don't know exactly what my goal is unless I can identify the female that I'm looking for. I need to know what it grows like, what it looks like, uh, what it smells like. So in most cases, no, 
I would not initiate a back cross using pollen from the original male pollen donor. If I had the original male, then I wouldn't need the back cross. Um, that is going backwards. My whole goal is to wash out the pollen from that original male. So I think that answers the question. I hope I answered the question there. If that did spark any more questions, please do follow up. I would love to hear from you. The email address, of course, is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Let's keep moving. I do have a big stack of emails here right in front of me. This one comes from our friend. Do they want their name said? It does not say if they want their name said. This one goes a little bit like this. It says, yo, Rasta Jeff, I'm asking about that 10 days in flowering on the light change to 18.6. So let me recap a little bit right there. For about the past year, I've been talking about a method where I turn my lights to 18 hours on and six hours off for the last 10 to 14 days of flowering. Many people think that flushing is a myth. If you do or don't flush, when you start flushing, just turn those lights back on to 18.6. In my experience, your buds will get beefier, they'll get more dense, they'll get fatter. They may even finish up a few days early. That extra light really makes the plants go faster. I really think it does a lot of great things. So our friend here is trying the 18-6 method and they do ask, how much PPFD should I run? I'm currently at about 1,000 with 13-11. So that's a great switch from 13-11 to 18-6. That'll be a great cycle. But I would not recommend changing the PPFD. All I do is change the amount of hours. Uh, changing the PPFD will be too many variables in my opinion. I wouldn't go up. I wouldn't go down. I would just change the amount of hours. Then you're going to get more light without stressing them. If you change it to more light, you may burn them. If you change it to less light, it's kind of pointless to increase the amount of hours. So I don't change anything. I go with the exact same amount of light, the same number of lights. All I do is increase the amount of hours which the plants are given. Somebody else also asked me if I do a ramp up, if I do like going from 12, 12, do I do 13 hours one day and then 14 the next? No, I go straight from 12, 12 to 18 on and six off. Sometimes I'll even do 19 and five. That's a new thing I'm fucking with. Seems to be working. The plants do seem to enjoy that. I've got one more question for this episode. This one comes from another person who would like to remain anonymous. It says, what is the reason some plants lose their aroma at the end of flower? There are a lot of things that could be causing this. This could be a nutrient issue. This could be a, a VPD issue. This could be a light intensity issue. Are your lights too close and too hot to the plant? The number one thing that breaks down terpenes is heat. So if you've got too much heat in the room, the terps are getting destroyed. So the first thing I would do is check on the heat, check the VPD. How hot is it in that room? Maybe get it a little bit cooler toward the end of harvest. Uh, cold temperatures later in the grow will give you better flavors, aromas, and also will bring out some really cool colors and may really help with the density of your buds. So this could be a feed issue. Um, this could be a VPD issue. This could be a lighting issue. This also could be a genetics issue. Are you not cutting down on time? Are you letting them go too long? Are they simply going into senescence and just giving up? Are you not feeding them long enough? Are you feeding them too long? Are you feeding anything to enhance the terpenes? Are you giving it anything to make it smell good? What are you doing? Um, there are several things that I would check on. I would check on, like I've already said, temperature. That's my number one uh, culprit for killing terps. Then I would check on light intensity. How far from the canopy is your light? Is it just roasting your terps? You should be able to tell by looking at the plants. Do you have plenty of airflow in there? Do you have bugs? Then I would make sure that you're feeding something to encourage healthy plants. I can't see the room. I don't have a lot of details, but those are things that I do think could make plants lose their smell at the end of flower. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, and pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there, I do want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. This one may get short after a little bit of editing. I do apologize if I have to cut a bunch of nonsense out of the middle of this. I got quite rambly lost my track. Anyway, if you feel like this episode was educational, informative, or entertaining, maybe you'd just like to throw me a couple of bucks because I helped you out in the garden. All you have to do is check out patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. Once again, there is a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it super easy for all of my friends to support the show. Everything else is on the website at iregenetics.com. There is a link to the discord. There's a link to iredirect. There's a link to the grow help tab. Anything you can imagine at iregenetics.com. That is all I've got for you for this episode. You know I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy JH. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.